welcome to Wittershin Stories, a storytelling podcast with live musical accompaniment by Joe Saborin. My name is Ashley Nunez, and I will be your narrator, guiding you to far distant lands, both familiar and unknown. Let us begin Once Upon a Time. Cupid and Psyche by Josephine Preston Peabody Once upon a time, through the destiny that overrules the gods, love himself gave up his immortal heart to a mortal maiden. And thus it came to pass. There was a certain king who had three beautiful daughters, The two elder married princes of great renown, but Psyche, the youngest, was so radiantly fair that no suitor seemed worthy of her. People thronged to see her pass through the city and sang hymns in her praise while strangers took her for the very goddess of beauty herself. This angered Venus, and she resolved to cast down her earthly rival. One day, therefore, she called hither her son, Love. Cupid, some name him, and bade him sharpen his weapons. He is an archer more to be dreaded than Apollo, for Apollo's arrows take life, but Cupid's bring joy or sorrow for a whole life long. Come, love, said Venus, there is a mortal maid who robs me of my honors in yonder city. Avenge your mother. Wound this precious psyche and let her fall in love with some churlish creature in the eyes of all men. Cupid made ready his weapons and flew down to earth invisibly. At that moment, Psyche was asleep in her chamber, but he touched her heart with his golden arrow of love and she opened her eyes so suddenly that he started, forgetting that he was invisible, and wounded himself with his own shaft. Heedless of the hurt, moved only by the loveliness of the maiden, he hastened to pour over her locks the healing joy that he ever kept by him, undoing all his work. Back to her dream the princess went, unshadowed by any thought of love. But Cupid, not so light of heart, returned to the heavens, saying not a word of what had passed. Venus waited long, then, seeing that Psyche's heart had somehow escaped love, she sent a spell upon the maiden. From that time, lovely as she was, not a suitor came to woo, and her parents, who desired to see a queen at last, made a journey to the oracle and asked counsel. Said the voice, The young princess Psyche shall never wed a mortal. She shall be given to one who waits for her on yonder mountain, He overcomes gods and men. At this terrible sentence, the poor parents were half distraught, and the people gave themselves up to grief at the fate in store for their beloved princess. 
Psyche alone bowed to her destiny. We have angered Venus unwillingly, she said. And for sake of me, heedless maiden that I am, give me up, therefore, dear father and mother, if I atone, it may be that the city will prosper once more. So she besought them until, after many unavailing denials, the parents consented. And with a great company of people, they let Psyche up the mountain as an offering to the monster of whom the oracle had spoken, and left her there alone. Full of courage, yet in a secret agony of grief, she watched her kindred and her people wind down the mountain path, too sad to look back until they were lost to sight. Then, indeed, she wept. But a sudden breeze drew near, dried her tears, and caressed her hair, seeming to murmur comfort. In truth, it was Zephyr, the kindly west wind, come to befriend her, and as she took heart, feeling some benight presence, he lifted her in his arms and carried her on wings as even as a seagull's over the crest of the fateful mountain into a valley below. There he left her, resting on a bank of hospitable grass, and there the princess fell asleep. When she awoke, it was near sunset. She looked about her for some sign of the monster's approach, and she wondered then if her grievous trial had been but a dream. Nearby she saw a sheltering forest where young trees seemed to beckon as one maid beckons to another, and eager for the protection of the dryads, she went thither. The call of running waters drew her further and further, till she came upon an open place where there was a wide pool. A fountain fluttered gladly in the midst of it, and beyond there stretched a white palace wonderful to see. Coaxed by the bright promise of the place she drew near, and seeing no one entered softly. It was all kinglier than her father's home, and as she stood in wonder and awe, soft airs stirred about her. Little by little, the silence grew murmurous like the woods, and one voice sweeter than the rest took words. All that you see is yours, gentle high princess, it said. Fear nothing, only command us, for we are here to serve you. Full of amazement and delight, Psyche wandered and followed the voice from hall to hall and through the lordly rooms, beautiful with everything that could delight a young princess. No pleasant thing was lacking. There was even a pool brightly tiled and fed with running waters where she bathed her weary limbs. And after she put on a new and beautiful raiment that lay for her, she sat down to break her fast, waited upon and sung to by unseen spirits. Surely he whom the oracle had called her husband was no monster, but some beneficent power, invisible like all the rest. When daylight waned, he came, and his voice, the beautiful voice of a god, inspired her to trust her strange destiny and to look and long for his return. Often she begged him to stay with her through the day, that she might see his face, but this he would not grant. Never doubt me, dearest Psyche, said he. Perhaps you would fear me if you saw me, and love is all I ask. There is a necessity that keeps me hidden now only believe. So for many days Psyche was content, 
But when she grew used to happiness, she thought once more of her parents mourning her as lost and of her sisters who shared the lot of mortals while she lived as a goddess. One night she told her husband of these regrets and begged that her sisters might at least come to see her. He sighed, but did not refuse. Zephyr shall bring them hither, said he. And on the following morning, swift as a bird, the west wind came over the crest of the high mountain and down into the enchanted valley, bearing her two sisters. They greeted Psyche with joy and amazement, hardly knowing how they had come hither, but when this fairest of the sisters led them through her palace and showed them all the treasures that were hers, envy grew in their hearts and choked their old love. Even while they sat at a feast with her, they grew more and more bitter, and hoping to find some little flaw in her good fortune, they asked a thousand questions. "'Where is your husband?' said they, and why is he not with you? Uh, "'Ah, ah,' stammered Psyche. "'All the day long he has gone hunting upon the mountains.' "'But what does he look like?' they asked, and Psyche could find no answer. When they learned that she had never seen him, they laughed." her faith to scorn. Poor Psyche, they said. You are walking in a dream. Wake before it is too late. Have you forgotten what the oracle decreed that you were destined for a dreadful creature, the fear of gods and men? And are you deceived by the show of kindliness? We have come to warn you. The people told us as we have come over the mountains that your husband is a dragon who feeds you well for the present that he might feast the better someday soon. What is it that you trust, good words? But only take a dagger some night when the monster is asleep. Light a lamp and look at him. You can put him to death easily and all his riches will be yours and ours. Psyche heard this wicked plan with horror. Nevertheless, after her sisters were gone, she brooded over what they had said, not seeing their evil intent, and she came to find some wisdom in their words. Little by little, suspicion ate like a moth into her lovely mind, and at nightfall, in shame and fear, she hid a lamp and a dagger in her chamber. Towards midnight, with her husband fast asleep, she rose up, hardly daring to breathe, and coming softly to his side, she uncovered the lamp to see some horror. But there, the youngest of the gods lay sleeping, most beautiful, most irresistible of all immortals. His hair shone golden as the sun, his face was radiant as dear springtime, and from his shoulders sprang two rainbow wings. Poor Psyche was overcome with self-reproach. As she leaned towards him, filled with worship, her trembling hands held the lamp ill, and some burning oil fell upon love's shoulder and awakened him. He opened his eyes to see at once his bride and the dark suspicion in her heart. Oh, doubting Psyche, he said with some sudden grief, and then he flew away out of the window. Wild with sorrow, Psyche tried to follow, but she fell onto the ground instead. When she recovered her senses, she stared above her. She was alone, and the place was beautiful no longer. Garden and palace had vanished with love. The Trial of Psyche
Over mountains and valleys, Psyche journeyed alone until she came to the city where her two envious sisters lived with the princes whom they had married. She stayed with them only long enough to tell the story of her unbelief and its penalty. Then she set out again to search for love. As she wandered one day, travel-worn but not hopeless, she saw a lofty palace on a hill nearby, and she turned her steps thither. Palace seemed deserted. Within the hall, she saw no human being, only heaps of grain, loose ears of corn half-torn from the husk, wheat, and barley, alike scattered in confusion on the floor. Without delay, she set to work, binding the sheaves together, and gathered the scattered ears of corn in seemly wise, and as a princess would wish to see them. While she was in the midst of her task, a voice startled her, and she looked up to behold Demeter herself, the goddess of the harvest, smiling upon her in goodwill. <laughs> Dear Psyche, said Demeter, you are worthy of happiness, and you may find it yet. But since you have displeased Venus, go to her and ask her favor. Perhaps your patience will win her pardon. These motherly words gave Psyche heart, and she reverently took leave of the goddess and set out for the temple of Venus. Most humbly she offered up her prayer, but Venus could not look at her earthly beauty without anger. Vain girl, said she. Perhaps you have come to make amends for the wound you dealt your husband. You shall do so. Such clever people can always find work. Then she let Psyche into a great chamber heaped high with mingled grain, beans, and lentils, the food of her doves, and bade her separate them all and have them ready in seemly fashion by night. Heracles would have been helpless before such vexatious tasks, but for Psyche, left alone in this desert of grain, had not courage to begin. But even as she sat there, a moving thread of black crawled across the floor from a crevice in the wall, and bending near, she saw that a great army of ants and columns had come to her aid. The zealous little creatures worked in swarms with such industry over the work they liked best that when Venus came at night, she found the task completed. Deceitful girl, she cried, shaking the roses out of her hair with impatience. This is my son's work, not yours. But he'll soon forget you. Eat this black bread if you are hungry and refresh your dull mind with sleep. Tomorrow you'll still need more wit. Psyche wondered what new misfortune could be in store for her, but when morning came, Venus led her to the bank of the river and pointed to the wood across the water and said, Go now to yonder grove where the sheep with the golden fleece are wont to browse. Bring me a golden lock from every one of them, or you must go your ways and never come back again. This seemed not difficult, and Psyche obediently bade the goddess farewell and stepped into the water, ready to wade across. But as Venus disappeared, the reeds sang louder, and the nymphs of the river, looking up sweetly, blew bubbles to the surface and murmured, Nay, nay, have a care, Psyche. This flock has not the gentle ways of sheep. While the sun burns aloft, they are themselves as fierce as flame, but when the shadows are long, they go to rest and sleep under the trees, and you may cross the river without fear and pick the golden fleece off the briars in the pasture. Thanking the water creatures, Psyche sat down to rest near them, and when the time came, she crossed in safety and followed their counsel. By twilight, she returned to Venus with her arms full of shining fleece. No mortal wit did this, said Venus angrily. 
But if you care to prove your readiness, go now with this little box down to Persephone and ask her to enclose in it some of her beauty, for I have grown pale in caring for my wounded son. It needed not the last taunt to sadden Psyche. She knew that it was not for mortals to go to Hades and return alive. And feeling that love had forsaken her, she was minded to accept her doom as soon as it might be. But even as she hastened towards the descent, another friendly voice detained her. Stay, Psyche. I know your grief. Only give ear and you shall learn a safe way through all these trials. And the voice went to tell her how one might avoid all the dangers of Hades and come out unscathed. But such a secret could not pass from mouth to mouth with the rest of the story. And be sure, added the voice, when Persephone has returned the box, not to open it, however much you may long to do so. Psyche gave heed, and by this device, whatever it was, she found her way into Hades safely and made her errand known to Persephone, and was soon in the upper world again, wearied but hopeful. Surely love has not forgotten me, she said, but humbled as I am and worn with toil, how shall I ever please him? Venus can never need all the beauty in this casket, and since I use it for love's sake, it must be all right to take some. So saying, she opened the box, heedless as Pandora. The spells and potions of Hades are not for mortal maids, and no sooner had she inhaled the strange aroma that she fell down like one dead, quite overcome. But it happened that love himself was recovered from his wound, and he had secretly fled from his chamber to seek out and rescue Psyche. He found her lying by the wayside, and gathered into the casket what remained of the filter, and awoke his beloved. Take comfort, he said, smiling. Return to our mother and do her bidding till I come away again. Away he flew, and while Psyche went cheerily homeward, he hastened up to Olympus, where all the gods sat feasting, and begged them to intercede for him with his angry mother. They heard his story, and their hearts were touched. Zeus himself coaxed Venus with kind words, till at last she relented and remembered that anger hurt her beauty, and smiled once more. All the younger gods were welcoming Psyche at once, and Hermes was sent to bring her hither. The maiden came as shy a newcomer as among those bright creatures. She took the cup that Hebe held out to her and drank the divine ambrosia and became immortal. Light came to her face like moonrise. Two radiant wings sprang from her shoulders, and even as a butterfly bursts from its dull cocoon, so the human psyche blossomed into immortality. Love took her by the hand, and they were never parted anymore. Wittershin Stories is created by Ashley Nunez of Old Growth Alchemy and musician Joe Saborin. If you've enjoyed what you're listening to, give us a review on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Spotify, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Until next time, friends new and old, we'll be sure to keep the kettle on with the seat open for you by the fire. <laughs>